unexpected item in the bagging area. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, that's actually perfectly me. Oh my God. I'm the unexpected <laughs> item in the bagging area. Hello and welcome to a very special Pride episode of Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr. It's June. It's not warm outside, but that doesn't matter because Pride events are taking place all over the world this month and Ireland is no different. So Dublin Pride runs from Thursday, June 20th to Saturday, June 29th. And that's enough out of me. So I'm delighted to welcome my guest to studio today, artist, activist and the Grand Marshal of Dublin's Pride Parade, Will St. Ledger is here. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me. And also creative director and choreographer Paul Ryder is back. Hello! Paul, <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. But also, you say it's been a minute, but then I've been here like more times than you nearly, so you know. <laughs> and this is your fourth time on the show. Fourth appearance on the show. The yeah. show's been running for a couple of years though, so that's it's spread out. Yeah. You haven't been in this. I've no, Set I've up. not been in the new. I've not because I did get very jealous at one point. I was like, I got a room upstairs somewhere. Who, 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 they're on couches and they've got films and stuff like that. What's going on there? So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I know. I got the messages. Yeah, I know. I sent Nave, <laughs> straight away. I was like, oh, I'm just waiting for the right moment. So we're going to start off with our game. So it's called Six Words or Less, and it's for any of our readers of her.ie and our listeners and now our viewers on YouTube who may not know who you are. So you have to describe yourself in six words or less and it can be just a word or it can be a sentence that describes you. So Paul, because you've been on so many times before, we're gonna go to you first. Yeah, because I've done all that. I'm sensitive, I'm not. So I just I just chose back, back, back again, but skinnier. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've lost weight since the last time I was here. It's a goodie. I like it. Back, back, back again. But, but skinnier. skinnier. Nice. nice. <laughs> I mean, I would say, Will, can you top that? But I think you might. Um, I will say, again, it's, it's the same thing. We don't want to say things about ourselves that sound, you know, like we're big and puffing ourselves up. Yeah. So um, I, I thought of something yesterday, which is, um, I was trying to fit into six words. Unexpected item in the bagging area. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, that's actually perfectly me. Oh my God. I'm the unexpected item in the bagging area. I, I love that. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's I'm, the best one. I'm going to say it. I think that might be the best, <laughs> the best one that we've ever had. <laughs> Thank oh you. In the history of unexpected item in the bagging area. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? When that sentence pops up though, mm -hmm usually you're like annoyed, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're just like, what is that in the baggage area? Do you know what annoys me more? And I only tweeted about it yesterday. Do you know when you've got your items and you've done it, it's like, please take your, I'm like, hold yourself, Fiona. I'll go when I'm ready to go. That's and she right. screams at you. And yesterday in a shopping center, I actually went, stop it. And the woman laughed because she said it three times. I was reading a message, like how rude. She's like, please take, leave me alone. I, I, um, at Christmas time and any time it's like Easter, they change the voices on some of the machines and I, you know, they annoy me anyway, mm. but I turn to the staff and saying, are you absolutely driven mad by this? And they're like, I blocked it out. The staff are like, oops, blocked it out. Because there'd be a Christmas voice or a Halloween voice, you know? <laughs> oh, I can't deal with it. I think the thing, the thing that's so funny about those, like, 
you know, self-service things. And it's the same in the airport with the passport things yeah. where you go into the little thing and you, you scan it yourself. The whole idea is so that it saves time mm. yes. and so that people can do it themselves. And, you know, robots are taking over the world and stuff. But half the time, the people get frustrated with all the different voices. They have to call the people to come down anyway. In the passport section, everyone just gets stuck in between the two yeah, doors yeah. and then they just feel like they're in prison. So I don't think we're ready for robots just yet. No, we're not. I also, I also wondered, do you know the, the self-service checkouts or like lifts you hear and it's like, it's in your voice or in your accent. I always like wondered, in Scotland, is it like, please take your items? Like I've always kind of thought about That's that. true actually. See, my friends always laugh going, no Paul, it's just a generic voice. And I'm like, well, you never know. Like, you know what I mean? sure. Billy Connolly comes booming out in the middle of Edinburgh. Like, do you know what oh I mean? God. If it was a Scottish accent, I don't think it would be that aggressive. No. Billy Connolly. Maybe not. It might be a nice soft lilt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so pride. <laughs> yeah, pride. Another unexpected yes. item. So, Will, you are Grand Marshal of the Dublin Pride Parade. This year, yeah. That's an incredible. Well, first off, what's a Grand Marshal? Um, I had to look it up, actually. <laughs> it almost becomes I, something that you. I just mean, it's a different. About. It's different from for different things. Yeah. But for for a parade, it's the person who leads the parade, mm -hmm. and I guess maybe a person for um, Pride has different themes each mm. year. So maybe somebody who. It incorporates um, the theme of pride, but it essentially is the person who leads the parade. Wow. And yeah. so what was your kind of initial reaction when you were approached? Total shock. Really? Yeah, because uh, because I just don't see myself in that role. I always see myself as the person sort of in the background getting stuff done. Yeah. And so when, um, when they asked me, um, the first thing I thought was, I'm not getting in a car and driving along, waving at the Queen, that is not happening. But is not what you have to do, though? No, I'm not doing it. I'm marching. Oh, you're marching. I okay. march, you know. I mean, I'd, we decided, the group that I'm with, ACT, act UP, yeah. we'd already decided to march in Pride. Mm. So I said, right, well, I'm not getting in a car waving, because I don't do that. Yeah. Um, we've already decided to march, so if I'm marching up front, they're marching up front. And they yeah. said yes. Well, they had no choice. I mean, that was... Were you in deal. any way apprehensive <clears throat> or were like, because like that you said that sometimes you're more in the background, you know, it's front and center. It's, it's a big accolade to have and something that's obviously like, you know, a, a great mark of your own character that they that they want you to be the Grand Marshal. But were you a bit, did you think no at any point in your brain first? No, I only thought about how it can be used for the things that I'm interested in. Yeah. And, you know, okay. I say I'm in the background and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That's not necessarily true as well, because yeah. I do put myself out Absolutely. there as an advocate and as an activist, and also in my work as an artist. So um, that's not necessarily true. But um, the, 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 the ideas of accolades and, and you know, awards and all those kind of things, I have no real interest in yeah. anyway. I just, I don't know, just never had any interest. In maybe, maybe that's something to do with my own um, ideas about self-worth and self-esteem too. Yeah. Well, you talked about there, you know, and I introduced you as an activist. So mm. let's go back a, a little bit and kind of talk about how you got into activism in the first place. What was kind of the first thing that was a catalyst for you? I guess, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so, um, so old school. Um, so Me too. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was about... I mean, one of the things that was, my dad was in the forestry, um, so I grew up around, I grew up in the countryside and mm. around Ireland from Donegal to, 
you know, to Tipperary. So we moved around a lot, yeah. spent a lot of time in forests when I was a kid. So, yeah. um, so nature was always very close to things. So environmental activism was the first thing. When I was about 16, I joined Earthwatch. Um, and then um, later on, then when I moved to London, um, after some years of work as a graphic designer, I joined Greenpeace. Yeah. But it was always, I mean, Greenpeace was a big thing on TV, mm. um, on the news during the 80s, all the the um, direct actions they were doing. I found it exciting, sort of that mix between being in the army, but not actually killing anybody. Yeah. You know, sort of it looked like being in the army, but actually doing good. Yeah. So I, I found it exciting. And so I eventually went on to do the stuff I saw on TV, like, you know, going on to an oil rig in the North Sea or yeah. um, occupying um, nuclear power stations and things like that. But we were doing all these things because you know, the climate crisis is a, is a, is a real danger. I mean, it, it's, it's a real and persistent thing. And the idea that people so-called a hoax is, if I find, bizarre. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't really understand when people say that it's not real. I'm a bit like, sure. right. But so you would have joined Greenpeace. Was it Was it in the 80s that you first <clears throat> or was it um, in the 90s by then? My 90s by then, yeah. Because like now, climate change and kind of environmentalists are, are so at the forefront. Yes. And like it's really, you know, it's it's demanding headlines and it, it has all of the column inches that maybe it didn't get in decades previous. But I mean, Speaking from someone who's been involved for for so many years, mm. do you think that it's genuinely too late to be coming to this now? Do you think they should have listened back then in the nineties? I mean, they should have listened back in the nineties. Yeah. But here's the thing: um, to get, I mean, there was the first. I remember the first Rio summit in ninety two. I was about twenty, and I was being involved in in. Um, Earthwatch for quite a while. I was very excited about the first ever meeting of world leaders where yeah. they were talking about climate change. Then actually it was called the Greenhouse Effect, believe it or not. The name has changed so much yeah. over time. But, um, and I was very excited and maybe in my naivety I thought, well, they're getting together and doing something. Yeah. Like they did with um, CFCs in, in the 1980s mm. with, um, with the Montreal Protocol in, in 87 where they'd banned the use of CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons, which was destroying the ozone layer. Mm. So I thought, yeah, they could get together. Um, and yeah, I heard a lot of hot air really. And we've seen that since, you know. So it's not too late. Yeah. There is there is a threshold, um, but that threshold is, 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 you know, putting away from us all the time. But it is great, I have to say, to see a younger generation or a new generation mm. of young people globally who are taking action. I, I find that very, um, I find it really empowering. And when, like, when you came back then, or did you come back to Ireland and kind of not necessarily move away from environmental activism? But, you know, I know that it was in 2009, I think it was, that you founded the group Equals, isn't mm -hmm. that right? Well, so co-founded, yeah. You co-founded. Yeah. <laughs> I have, to give, nice. I have to give creds give, to, Lisa, give all, give all to, credits. To, to Lisa Connell, who is a yeah. co-founder. Yeah. yeah. So that was in 2009. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously it's been 10 years since yes. then. Yeah. Matt's. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> like, how would you say things have changed in the last 10 years in terms of, in terms of, well, just Ireland and society yeah. in general? I mean, the, the, the difference between um, campaigning um on marriage equality, which I, we started really around 2007, but equals became a 
thing in 2009. It was a response to the Civil Partnership Bill, which yeah. we were, which we were largely re rejecting. But the changes of in the last 10 years have been, it's been almost like this momentum mm. um, of, of, you know, changes inside a more pluralist, a more engaged society, a more, um, uh, I'd say more tolerant. Uh, however, these things can sweep over and back, yeah. you know, just because we're seeing this like, you know, with repeal, with marriage equality and, um, you know, with the change, even just the most recent referendum yeah. or, or changes to, to um, the constitution on the time limit for divorce. divorce yeah. I mean, no one, practically no one campaigned on it because it was kind of... Expected? You know, it was expected, uh, yeah. yeah. So, whereas before that would have been hard fought. Absolutely. Um, but never underestimate the ability for the... Um, the Nazis and the right yeah. to, to, to sweep any of those things away. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the <clears> things that is is kind of crucial to talk about when it comes to pride, like not yeah. to think that like, yes, we have marriage equality, you know, we <laughs> repeal the eighth, so mm -hmm. so everything's fine. Like we are sorted, you know, like yeah. it's it's not the case at all. Not the case still, at all. No. no, there's still a lot to fight for. Huge, man. Um, Paul, you're very involved in, in pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's going on? It's It's been a minute. Um, yeah. yeah, like, you know, you know I, th I think, first of all, from, from Will's point of view, like Will is saying, you know, how he does stuff in the background and stuff like that. But the reason I think, especially when it comes to Dublin Pride, is people get the, the, the title of Grand Marshal is because they've been doing so much for the community mm. for the last, you know, however long. Yeah. And I think from the very, very beginning, when I came out at about 16, 17 and I was on the scene, Will was always somebody that I saw in the forefront of that kind of acti activism role. Or yeah. He was always that person that had the right answer Right. for the tough question. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of shocking to me that, God, that's whatever, 12, 13 years ago, that only now is Will actually our Grand Marshal because I would have felt it would have happened many, many moons that's ago. Lovely. So when it was announced oh, nice. this year that it was Will, I was like, fit, perfect fit, absolutely yeah. perfect fit. Not to take away from any of our previous Grand, grand Marshals, sure. but for me, as somebody who's grown up in Dublin on this scene, mm. who's always looked at Will and would... would, um, would appreciate Will's opinion on anything, mm. um, be it trivial or be it she's a drag queen. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. To see that I was like, okay, that's this is the right fit and this makes me this makes me happy to know that where our where our Grand Marshalism or whatever it is mm. is yeah. going this year. Mm. So Yeah, I mean like you, you say there, you know, that you've been kind of and you, you said yourself they're on the scene for the last kind of twelve, thirteen years or mm -hmm. whatever when you came out when you were were you 16, 17? 16, 17, yeah. Mm. So like for you, you know, I was asking Will there about how it's changed in the last 10 years in terms of activism. For you in Ireland, how has things changed for you over the last 10 years? I think it's been a natural progression with regards to, you know, when you're 16, 17 and you're out there and I was on the gay scene dancing and doing my bits and bobs, it was a big party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now, like we've said, we're still fighting. The, you know, we've got our marriage equality, we've, we've repealed the eighth, but we're still fighting for so mm. much more. So mm. it's not just for me, oh, Pride's a big party and it's a big, you know, all day thing. It is about, it's a protest. Yeah. Pride is a protest and that's what it's yeah. about. It's about protesting for what we're still out there fighting for and yeah. getting those messages across, you know, that sort of way. Absolutely. Well, I've, the thing is, like, I've heard this kind of phrase being thrown around a little bit and I read a really interesting piece um, in the Times there recently by Una Malali, you know, mm. talking about rainbow capitalism. And, mm. you know, does that sit well with you when people talk about it as like a big party and a big piss up and, and all this kind of thing? Because, you know, commercialism is there now. Like you can see the big corporations kind of look at it almost like a sporting event yeah. and, and, and capitalizing off it. I mean, 
on the one hand, when you think about it's giving you more coverage to to get, you know, the things across that still need to happen for the community, but does it like irk you a little bit or? It does little. Just mm. something that Paul said there, you know, he's saying at 16, 17, Pride was a party. Mm. I'm delighted it was a party for you. I think it should be a party for anybody who wants to see it as a party. If you see Pride as a protest, it's a protest for you. Yeah. If you see it as a party, it's a party for you. The one thing I would say is don't let anybody tell you what pride is supposed to be for you. Yeah. Mm. That's the main takeaway from it. My first pride was like 1994 in London. Mm. Never been to a pride before. I'd never met any gay people, you know, that I openly gay people before the sort of early 90s. It was yeah. so in the closet. And so the first time I came out was in London yeah. in 94. And the first pride I went to, yeah, it was a total piss up with my friends, yeah. with my straight friends. And even that have like, gay people to yeah. go with, you know? I was the gay ally, yeah. you know, going to Pride. I think I think what you're saying though, and that kind of falls into what, what you just said there with regards to does it irk or does it not? Yeah. I think in some ways, yes. I think it depends on, it. for me personally, it depends on the company and depends on their message yeah. and whether they're supportive. Were they supportive when it was repealed the 8th? Mm. Were they supportive when it was marriage equality? You know, that sort of stuff. If they were supporting, if they were allies mm. through the whole process, mm. grand, live your best life, throw mm. your pride flags up because you are making your, say, heteronormative or homophobic, say, customer base, base walk past a pride flag. Yeah. And that to me gives me a little ha ha. Because. Absolutely, because, like, on the one hand, I think saying that pride is whatever it is to you and mm. don't let anybody tell you what it isn't like for me as a straight person like sometimes I am wary of not being too rainbow flag because I don't want to offend anybody because I've never had to deal with yeah. some of the things that people have had to deal with in that yeah. community and that's something that I've spoken to other straight people about as well and they do feel that so whereby like I think it's great to kind of talk about the rainbow capitalism and talk about that aspect of it you know I mean presumably that's not something that you would feel that like the straight community has to be respectful or anything like mm. that you know like if you want to support equality for everybody surely everybody should be invited to celebrate pride right sure um i think one of the things that i mean paul's I'm, like no i'm so <laughs> from, from an activist point of view the way i see it in terms of corporations I mean, the corporations come are, are come into pride they they actually do and i don't think dublin pride has made a a good job of communicating this um if they don't have a, a um a a history of being involved in Pride. Yeah. They get charged more. Right. Uh, a lot of the, the people who are involved in it, it is LGBT people within those companies that are doing it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not defending the corporates at all, yeah. because actually I would prefer not to see the corporates. I'd actually prefer to see Pride as Pride. Yeah. You know, and, and, but here's the other thing as well. It's such cognitive distance with this, is that um, to do an event of that size, mm. the, the public liability uh, costs alone yeah. would cripple any. So Pride is never really, you know, it's always going to sort of stay small. I mean, closing the streets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. However, when it comes to corporates, and I'm not going to name corporates, but when it comes to this, especially the tech ones that a lot of people are giving out about yeah. in terms of content, whatever, that, I would encourage the LGBTQ people inside those companies to revolt. Right. Absolutely. Put their tools down and walk out. Yeah. Against this sort of, if you're not happy with the way the, the company is treating LGBT people, if you are an LGBT people in those companies, yeah. like the main, you know, lots of um, tax companies, there's been walkouts on different issues. Mm. Do the same. Get together, organize, protest, say we're not working. And then call on your straight allies and say, if you believe in what I believe too, yeah. and believe that's wrong, 
down tools and, and walk out. I mean, that sends a clear message. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, it's it's the word allies that you say there. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but Taylor Swift's new song, like, slightly, has, yeah. has gotten so much flack in the media over the last few days since she's released it because people are saying, you know, that it's tokenism, that you're, you're coming out with this, you know, around Pride Month, obviously. Um, and, like, we, we don't want it, basically, is what a lot of people are saying. And, I mean, what would you think about that? I think it, I think it attaches... It attaches itself to a bit of a, a both sides of things. Her wording in the lyrics and stuff like that, a bit, she talks about shade, about, you know, but like homophobia, and that's mm. not shade. Shade is like me saying I don't like your dress. Yeah. You know, biphobia, transphobia, homophobia, that is not something that we take lightly. Mm. So, so for you she, to, it's for you, slightly minimizing it. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't even mind. I don't even think that her, I know her, her it's like her intention is good. Mm. She wants to create that message, but as a clever, clever woman, you would have thought that her and her team would have done this in a way, way better. Gosh, that's really interesting, because at the same time, like I in the video, there's there's like just a I don't know if you've seen it but there's just I haven't seen it yeah there's a million famous people in there like it's all the and the drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race and all that yeah. there and that RuPaul himself is in it yeah Ellen DeGeneres is in it like okay. I mean it's it's really above and beyond I don't mm. even want to think about how much that costs but like from your point of view Paul like you're in the entertainment business and you're a creative director so like it feels when you're saying that that if you were in the room with these people was it probably just a bit of mob mentality that ran away from them totally. or were they not realizing that maybe this might affect communities I, I guarantee you Ellen DeGeneres signed on and from that moment on that was the push out to, for everybody else hey Rue Ellen's on do you want to do it oh my god yeah hey girls do you want to do it Rue's on yeah and it was that kind of domino right, effect yeah. of because who was on it but nobody really listened to the message and kind of sat back and went maybe this is a little bit wary you know yeah. sometimes people can get so involved in the who's in and mm. what's the, the check at the end of the day and look to 14, 13, 15, whatever age, mm. youngsters mm. who are listening to this, they hear shade and go, oh yeah, they're being shady to the gay community. That's a little step. But mm. to some of us who are further along in this mm. in this journey or who have dealt with a lot more hardship over the years, that's it's still a bit like, oh, girls, really? Like, really? Are, are, are you not going to stand like that? Like, give us a good fight. Like, don't just use yeah. the word shade and throw it about. It mm. also sounds exactly like all the other Taylor Swift songs. 100%. <gasps> I was like, is this... What was the last one that she did? Um, uh, the, uh, the the duet one. Or the one where she was talking about her ex. Oh, uh, yes. When she's in the big mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's quite a lot, there's quite a lot there's of... There's so uh, much and it all just rolled into one. It really She's does. annoying in general, though. Right, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, Taylor Swift. We don't, no, get out. We'll Not still me. take you on the show, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I mean, I suppose that just kind of popped up because that was starting to become a, a little bit about the conversation around Pride and stuff like that. I mean, the video is... is very impressive but but interesting to hear that you kind of but don't get me wrong pride mm. also like pride like i said to, to you before it was a party at 16 yeah. now for me i'm in drag at nine o'clock mm. and i don't get out of drag until one o'clock that morning it is and work. yeah that's my choice yeah. but pride to me is a job mm. and i would be very kind of a of an, of an ilk that will is an activist mm. i'm a performer mm. i'm not going to try and step on will's toes and will's not going to come in in a, in a dress and heels to try and do my job do you know this sort of way we I've like tried you have tried i've seen those pictures <laughs> um, <laughs> well i need to see the pictures yeah. but I, I i think it's very much of a thing of i see it as work but it's also a gigantic love fest of seeing the people that you've not seen mm. for ages or you might not see throughout the year people who've come home from australia from new york seeing the people like Will in the streets and, you know, we might say, hi, quick hug, happy pride, and off you go. But yeah. it's that whole community 
is together for one day only just to kind of pat each other on the back and go, have a good year, see you next year. Do you know that sort of way? Yeah. It, it, it is that kind of lovely atmosphere. I do like that. One thing that I just started thinking about this year, and mm. it, it really kind of bothered me, was that when you look at Pride and look at all the people celebrating, there's a part of me that's always kind of looking for the other. And that is the people who didn't make it to Pride that day because they were, they were dealing with uh, mental health issues, with depression, mm. who a person who woke up that morning, was excited about Pride, woke up that morning and looked in the mirror, um, you know, um, a gay, a lesbian, a trans person, or a mm. non-person who identifies non-binary, and looked in the mirror and going, you're shit, you look mm. like shit, you can't go out today. That worries me. Yeah. It's sometimes that the people we don't see at Pride, I know it sounds weird, like we don't see, but thinking about the people who haven't the you know, who are going through stuff, mm. who didn't make it to Pride. I do kind of worry about that too. Well, it's the people who are still kind of struggling. Like like you yeah. said, it's, it's you know, the, the journey that you've come on, Paul, and, and stuff like that. But I suppose as well, when you say like it's an amazing opportunity to, to see everybody in the community and stuff like that, it is a really good point to recognise that not everybody goes to the parade. You know, yeah. like a lot of people are within the community and, and still kind of struggling with them. So, yes. I mean, what, what kind of advice would, would you give to those people if, if maybe somebody is even listening to this or is, mm. is watching this and knows that Pride Week is coming up in Dublin and knows that it's going to be an incredible celebration and, you know, the country's media will be watching as well, mm -hmm. like the platform is going to be there, but, but they're struggling, they're having some pressures. I would say, I mean, everybody has their coming out story. Whatever the coming mm. out story it is, is like coming out as um, LGBT, coming out as um, non-binary, coming out as bisexual or gay or whatever. Mm. Um, there's lots of disclosure, you know, when it comes to revealing ourselves, but we hold back on it because there is this, um, there is this thing within us as a human beings is that we say something to somebody that you know, our support systems, our family, our friends, whatever, that it would be something that's so shaming mm. to us that we become unlovable. We can't deal with that. that. Shame is one of the things that is one of the most toxic things in society mm. today. And the way we shame each other about body issues, um, about how straight we look or how mm. gay we look or all those things, when we throw around shame, it only results in silence, uh, in in um, pulling back from ourselves and going into ourselves it leads, leads to uh, numbing behavior, addiction, um, and um, negative outcomes. Mm. So I would say to anybody <clears throat> is that share um, whatever it is you're coming out about with somebody who that you can trust, yeah. um, somebody who has earned the right to hear that story, mm. and somebody who can bear the weight of that story too. Yeah. I think it's imperative as well to say that, you know, Will is talking about shame as in somebody who's dealing with mental health issues and stuff like that. But, and again, it, it's a bit of a cliche topic, but don't always think that people who look like they have their shit, have their shit. I've been in the exact same position where I've woken up on Pride, on whatever, and looked at myself in the mirror and gone, you can't go to that. You don't look the same as mm. X, Y, Z, or, you know, you, you can't perform the same as X, Y, and Z and almost cancel jobs because of, mm. because of that feeling. So mm. it's not just people who are hiding away, it's every single one of us yeah. on that morning going, am I good enough? Will I last the day? You know, all that sort of stuff. So if that's your issue, 
you just have to find your own way to deal with it. And like Will said, tell your story to somebody who deserves to, to hear that story. But I have my own friends who I go, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm good enough for this. And it's yeah. not me seeking attention. It's me genuinely yeah. feeling yeah. like I, that. Like Paul, you, you kind of like, you embody confidence when you're in drag, you know, mm. and people see those pictures of you and like the makeup is just stunning and you're such an incredible performer that like, a few people would be like shocked to even hear that, you know, yeah. to be like, but at the same time, like you're human, we're all human, we all have insecurities. I've posted, I've posted on my Instagram stories several, several times before about I'm not having a good day. And that's yeah. up to like two, three weeks ago, whereas I'll have the best two weeks and then I'll have two or three days where I just feel mm. so inadequate or I'm on a roller coaster that I've really just stopped dead. Mm. And I'm lucky to have some amazing friends who are able to go, just take a minute, take a breather. And I've got my own ways. I've got my gym, I've got my dance, I've got yeah. all that sort of stuff that can take me out of that. But yeah, like people just think, oh God, he must live his best life. I'm like, oh, I do. And I'm mm. very lucky to do what I do. But by God, girl, I'm sitting at home yeah. having those tears going, I'm yeah. shit. I'm not as good as her, him and him. Mm. And really, really feeling that. And I think that pride is one of those days where you, can, you hopefully can try and let that go. Mm. Because the good thing about Dublin is, and it's something I fucking love about this country. Sorry to curse. That's okay. You can look at somebody and you just get the, the, the riest little smile and you mm. know, they've got my back. I might yeah. not know them, but they've got my back. And it's the exact same way I felt when we, um, when the marriage equality was vote happened. It was for weeks and still now you can look at a person and just give a smile and go, they've got your back. Don't yeah. know them, but they're still part of our allyship because they care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I love about Dublin. It's why I'd never leave this country or this city mm. because we are the best natured people in the world. Mm. And you know when you say, Paul, because I'm just like, when you say that you put it out there on your social media at times that like maybe you're not having a good day mm -hmm. or that you don't feel like yourself, um, do you find that that helps? Do you find that you get back positivity and, and kind of support from the online world as it, as it were? I think there's a very, very different thing between not feeling yourself and almost kind of like fishing. Sometimes I see people who are like, God, I feel so ugly today. And you're like, oh, girl, you're looking for somebody to say you look beautiful. They look stunning. Whereas if, I, <laughs> if I'm putting it out there, I'll just kind of say, bit of a shit day, mm. but I'm grand. Did, typical Irish thing, as we said earlier on, but I'm grand. And yeah. it is me kind of saying, don't worry about me. I don't want your pity. I'm just putting it out into the world that I'm not feeling the best. Yeah. So if I don't reply to messages or if I don't mm. seem in the best of form, I just want you to know. And also it's a way of telling people, like we said, I'm not, I'm not, like superhuman, mm. I, I'm not made of metal, I will still feel like shit. And by me putting it out there, nine times out of 10, I'll get messages, lovely people being like, you're amazing. I go, no, thank you for that. I'm glad of that, but I just want to put it out there. And then you get people being like, I feel the same. Yeah. yeah. And in a way, that helps me because I'm going, well, what's wrong with you? And they'll say, da da da. And nine times out of 10, I go, Paul, get a fucking grip. This person is going through mm -hmm. real life shit. You're worried because you haven't got a day off in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Get yeah. a fucking grip of your life. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You have to really think of the bigger picture. And if I can help that person who messages me and he, that they help me, mm. that's it. You're, 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 you're crawling a ladder to get yourself back into the light, I suppose. That's true empathy. And that's and what Paul said. It's very valuable, valuable stuff because you talk about, you know, people sometimes will do that smash and grab. They'll, mm. they'll say something in order to try and get something back. It's kind yeah. of a smash and grab thing. And I understand why people do that. But that isn't being vulnerable. That isn't authentic yeah. vulnerability. Um, one of the things I said he liked about it, you know, is also sort of working in the solutions into it as well. I mean, I always take Sunday off as like my, self-care self -care Sunday thing. Yeah. So I'll always be a walk to the park, um, get myself a coffee and something, some, some kind of dessert that I usually don't 
have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and so what I usually do is I usually post about it, but I'll take photographs because I like you know art and stuff. Mm. I'll take photographs of things that I think are beautiful, like mm. the deer in in Phoenix Park or flowers or things like that, and and then say how, and then talk about how genuinely grateful I am to be alive, and and and, and talk about you know, looking at it. But one of the things I, I do try to do is process the week as well and mm. how I feel about stuff. Because I will often feel that on the days that I feel shit, I'm sorry for swearing, but those days I feel crap. Oh, listen, after this okay, guy. Right. Sorry. <laughs> on the days I feel it. crap, what I do usually do is we tend to discharge our, um, our pain and discomfort onto others. Mm. And I notice I do it myself. And I'm very cognizant of when I'm walking down the street or say behind somebody in an ATM and they're taking forever mm. and I'm really angry about it. I now, I used to be like angry about it. Mm. Now I go and now I, I just stop that whole process and go, right, what's eating you? Yeah, right why now? are you like that? Why yeah, are yeah. you annoyed at this person? Because it always comes back to, it's got to be some kind of thing issue with you yeah. because you cannot be just upset by somebody using an ATM. It happens to me in traffic. Right, Yeah. right. I'm just like, why are you taking so long? Right. Like, you're not even a learner. What's happening? <laughs> What's ha what is happening in your car? Don't like, just talk me through it. And then, I, <laughs> and then I got, I'm like, why am I spewing such hatred at this person yeah. who might just be like having a chill day yeah. where I'm like, just trying to get her. But I think, I think we live, especially probably because of the work we all do as, as, as you know, for whatever, we are always on the go. We're always yeah. moving to the next thing. And you're right, like, but self-employment or, you know, being your own boss in, in a matter of ways is that you're running to the next thing. So that yeah. slow down method for me is really tough to deal with. Like, I'm awful. My mother is 68 years of age. She's had hip replacement and knee replacement. And sometimes she says to me, will you bring me here? And it'll take her 14 minutes to get from the house to the car. And in that 14 minutes, I'm like, I could have sent four emails. I could. And then you have to go, <laughs> then you have to take a minute and go, Shut up. Yeah. She's 68. She's your mother. She's yeah. had two knee replacements. You know, give her a break. Give yeah. her a minute. So it is that we're always rushing, but it's That's true. It's our it's our own problem realistically. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um it's a funny thing though, because we're kind of talking about always being on the go and, and our lives and how busy they are and stuff. Like Pride, well, when this goes out, it will be kind of all kicked off and it's gonna be an incredibly busy time as well. Um you're in rehearsals constantly. Yeah. What's happening it's, with that? It's man, like you say, like it kicks off today. Is well, first, first tell us about um, what you're going to be doing. Um, well, the main, the main day, I, yeah. I'm obviously be working throughout the week. Yeah, I've got different corporate events and stuff yeah. like that, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the main day, I am very, very lucky and blessed to be the host of Main Stage Pride in Marion Square, oh. which is my second year to do this. And mm. can I just say, we were talking back. Will asked me when my first Pride was, and I said back in the civic offices back in. 2005, 2006, and I remember watching Panty Bliss yeah. with the microphone in her hand and the clipboard and going, one day, really, Paul? one day that'll be you. Wow. And for years I watched Panty do it and, and I kind of went to myself, that's where I want to be. I want to be not 13th or 14th on the list. Yeah. I want to be the one holding the goddamn list yeah. and announcing special people onto the stage next and, you know, giving them that side stage of going, you're fine, kid. You'd be, you'd be grand yeah. the same yeah. way Panty did for me. Yeah. And to get that call last year, I actually just sat and cried. I but just I mean, sat and cried. Like, right. we, we've spoken a little bit about what Pride means to you. And, you know, obviously you're going to be incredibly busy and mm -hmm. you're working a huge amount. But on an emotional level, that must be massive for you as well. Yeah, and like this year for Marion Square, I'm bringing my kids from my, my dance academy, which is Proud Dance Academy, which I named Proud because of being oh, a proud gay man. Yeah. And that's been open a year. So my senior division will dance with me 
then. So it's those moments that I look back and go, they're my kids yeah. dancing in front of X amount of thousand people. That's the kind of emotional roller coaster. And then, you know, that dies down and you've got your other gigs kind of post that and stuff like that. So I'll be everywhere throughout the course of the day. It's, it's a it's a it's a lovely mad mad day and that Sunday you're like oh thank God uh, my poor feet mm. by eleven o'clock will be screaming at me yeah but rehearsals are going well rehearsals are going well I'm in rehearsals for obviously I'm doing um, Mother Pride yes. which is down in Collins Barracks mm-hmm. um, which is a massive massive big festival and myself and my four amazing dancers and amazing choreographer Doug are in like intense rehearsals I've handed it over to somebody else to to creatively direct this the these three performances yeah and. It, it, to be in such a room and such like the, the talent is shaking basically and I'm so excited to get on stage with them That's and then I'll be in Vicar Street afterwards for the Bewitched special which is Victoria and Davina's Pride Party Wow! and the C-O-C-K Destroyers I don't think I can say that word in this podcast yeah. I don't know. Sure, fuck it. We've said every other word. Cop <laughs> destroyers. You can catch them on Vicar Street as well. Yeah. Mother's sold out, but uh, Vicar Street still has tickets, so all available online and stuff like that. But Amazing. Yeah. And Will, what about you? What kind of things are you oh. going to be doing over the week? Well, um, aside I'm from the be big be, grand from marshal, it, I mean, the the week is a is a lot of um, different talks and things like that yeah. I'll be doing. Um, and the main message that act up the the. Um, the HIV activist group that I'm with. And to give you a little story about ACT UP, ACT UP started in the sort of late 80s in New York mm. in response to the HIV and AIDS crisis there. Um, we started a Dublin chapter of ACT UP in 2016 in response to a growing um, rates of HIV, new HIV di- diagnosis in yeah. Ireland, um, which started happening from about 2013 onwards. Um, we're seeing about f- roughly about 500 plus new reported diagnosis of HIV in Ireland every year, that's at historic levels. So people are like, why is this happening? Well, rates of STIs amongst men and women, regardless of their gender or or sexual expression, have been going up since the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, It's clear that um, the way that we deal with sexual health in this country hasn't been working because the government hasn't been investing in it. Um, Our sex education you know, I mean, do we have sex education in countries? We do in our schools. Ninety percent of our schools are are have a Catholic ethos. So, yeah. so the, you know, young people aren't getting the message about sex education. Like, fifteen to 20, 24 year olds mm. um, make up fifty percent of chlamydia cases in this country. Yeah. So there needs to be a sexual revolution in this country in terms of education, in terms of. Um, you know, trans health care in yeah. terms of uh, um, STI screening, expanding the public sexual health service. But the main thing we're going to get across this year, and this is vital, I mean, this is incredible revolutionary news, is that it has been known for quite some time through four large scientific studies that a person who is living with HIV, who is on effective treatment, mm-hmm. cannot pass on HIV to their sexual partner. And yeah. it's revolutionary news that came out of these studies where, you know, there was 888 couples, gay and straight, mm. had 58,000 acts, condomless acts of sex, mm. right? That's a lot of sex. One partner was on HIV treatment mm-hmm. and undetectable, which means that the viral load on their, in their body is below detectable level. And the other partner is HIV negative. Mm. There was not one single transmission of HIV from the positive partner to the negative partner in those studies. So this is U equals U, right? U equals U, right. And this is the thing that 
you know, it's funny because I haven't actually seen a huge amount mm. of coverage on that. But that mm. is, like you said, that is that is massive it's news. It's massive news because the way that people have thought about, think about HIV, yeah. including me, by the way, it's because the I thought I had a huge anxiety and anxieties. I mean, background anxiety about yeah. HIV. I wouldn't say like you know, it wasn't something that I was. Um, you know, and, and there's this thing that sometimes that people say, they're like, oh, you know, people don't care anymore. It's, mm. You know, they get HIV and they can just take Ooh. one pill every day. Yeah. That is a, that is a, that is a, a, a and, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing to say because I don't know a single person that doesn't worry about yeah. um, HIV. Now, HIV is a, is a manageable condition, yeah. um, you know, and I want, don't want to, and, and you can live long, healthy lives. Mm. I mean, you go undetectable, you can't pass it on to your partner. You can have children. Yeah. You know, when you say that, people go, oh, well, because they think of, you know, gays and lesbians or they think sort of gay and bisexual men rather than yeah, yeah, heterosexual absolutely. people as well, you know, when it comes to talking about it. But it is massive news and um, getting that message out there. So we're, we've been running this digital campaign yeah. um, in town and it'll be um, part of our messaging uh, throughout Pride. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good news. So I think that the main takeaway from this is that, um, you know, our physical health, we talked about mental health mm. earlier on, and sexual health, they are all part of the holistic way that we see ourselves, you yeah. know. And and really is about, again, if, if it is, if you do have fears and anxieties, you have worries about your sexual health, go and get it checked out, you know. Yeah. Like the one thing I would never do, and I've, I've never, I go and get uh, tested every three months mm -hmm. because I take a... a um, an anti-HIV medication called PrEP, okay. which is a safe and effective drug, and it's pretty much, uh, you know, 100% mm. guarantees you won't get, get HIV. Yeah. So it's a way of protecting myself against HIV. But I also get checked as well for other STIs yeah. every three months. Now, when I go into an STI clinic, going down to Gay Men's Health Service, mm. I don't walk in, into a room and thinking, wow, look at all these people, you know? They've, I just see, I see, what I see is a bunch of people, um, gay, bisexual men, men of six of men, and trans mm. people, and go, these all, all these people are looking after health because yeah. health, their health is important to them, you know? Mm. Like, I don't go into like a dentist's office and judge everyone, you know, either. Yeah. I, I, go, I get that. Because it's connected with sex. <clears throat> that's why we have such shame around it's it. The, it's the stigma, I it's think. It's a stigma and shame. It's something that is inherent in us yeah. from very young kids. It's the Catholic ethos. Yes. And, and like you said, you know, talking about ACT UP in particular, you do see it as a political issue. Like, yes. this is a political crisis that needs to be tackled. Yeah from the top down so That's that we right. can see the change in the schools and so that we can see the education come because the reason why you know people of of our age and and kind of who are who are a little bit older it's because we weren't taught anything when no. we were younger no. so of course we had anxiety of course we did of course we didn't know especially in the 90s as it's well trying to figure it out for ourselves yeah and here's the thing today um if you're not talking to young people today about sex where are they going to learn it from the school playground or from the internet, yeah. Mm. you know? And whose responsibility is? Well, I think it's kind of part. I think it is mm. partly um, the, the, the schools, but also I think it's the parents as well. But you have to understand that some parents who come from a culture there, they are not comfortable talking about sex. So I think yeah. really it is about, I mean, even your teachers aren't going to be comfortable talking about sex. So, so, so proper sex education needs to be outsourced to, uh, to people who can teach um, sex education in a factual, objective, and LGBTQ inclusive way yeah. as well. I always, I always post my same when I go. I go every six months or whatever, you know, despite whether it's one partner or you know whatever. Mm. And I always post my results on social media mm. because I'm thinking 
you know, get rid of the stigma, talk about it. As somebody who's been through counselling for sexual health anxiety, mm. yeah. it was it was so tough because like that, any sexual any sexual encounter I had, I was straight to a clinic thinking that I was was diagnosed with HIV. That, that was how it was going to be. Mm. And and did that did that come from? Did that anxiety come from? chatter or did that anxiety come from it's, the movies? It's or? really weird. The counsellor who I spoke to said it was part of a grief counselling after my dad passed. She right. said you put your you put your grief into another form of um into another form of like fear. Fear, yeah. And that's where that's where it's all come. Because I mean I was inconsolable at times, waiting mm. in a in a in a thing. And I wouldn't go to the Gay Men's Health Project because I'd had like one or two bad experiences of being there mm. and then hours later getting say a message on Grind or, or a private message somewhere else of being like you have HIV, don't you? And Jesus, that was because I was somebody who awful. was working in the scene and people felt like they recognised they could attach yeah. it to me. And I, and like we've said, there's nothing wrong if you've got HIV, Absolutely. but that stigma, like yeah. we said, so now I go private and I've always gone private, mm. but I keep seeing the Gay Men's Health, and I keep going to myself, just drop it, stop paying 80 to 100 quid and just go into the Gay Men's Health Project because somebody might see you or see mm. whoever and gonna go, oh God, yeah, like just do it, just get out and do it. I can't urge it enough, especially in the in the younger community. Yeah. Yeah. Get out and get tested and get the leaflets, pick them up, read them, because yeah. you think you're you think you're untouchable because you're 19, you are so not, you yeah. are so not. And it starts with that working its way up. I, I, think, I think it's about meeting people where they are. Mm. It's, it's really about, you know, there, there, are, some, there are some people whose, whose level of uh, understanding about sexual health and, and prevention strategies are, are quite low. Some are maybe more experienced and, and, and can, can navigate them a bit better. So, um, and what we often tend to do as well is that we tend to, to attach our own shame and stigma sort yeah. of a, a, along to those things. And the same with me as well. There was, this is the crazy thing. Uh, I left Ireland sort of 94 mm. um, in the closet, never had said it to anybody, never had you know, never even kissed another guy. And I came out in London. You have to remember, I come from, a, a, Ireland's a deeply homophobic place mm. where a year before I left, it was still a crime to be gay. So um, when I went to London and came out, you know, I had like long relationships when I was in London and they were good, healthy relationships, but not once did we talk about sexual health. Mm. Not once did we talk about testing and never got tested once. So I went 10 years until I came back to Ireland in 2005 mm. before I actually got tested. And the first person said it to me was my first Irish boyfriend. Within like two weeks of we seeing each other, he's like, well, if we're gonna start seeing each other, and this is when we're still using condoms. Yeah. He's like, if we're gonna start seeing each other, let's go and get tested together. Just yeah. real casual like that. Oh, I was not, I was like knocked off my feet because really? no one ever talked to me about that before. So I went to the gay men's health service, it was the first time, and got checked. And it was kind of like, I don't know, I, I'd always felt that SDI clinics were for people who slept around or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was making those same kind of judgment calls that people we were talking about before. So I was that person. I mean, yeah. I never shamed anybody else, but I shamed myself in a yeah, sense. Yeah, it was an inward kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and so, you know, that was the start of like reclaiming um, just the way I felt about, um, yeah. you know, about sexual health. I've kind of reclaimed it as well in a way of like, you can have fun, be completely safe and mm. be totally, totally fine. You're right with the whole, the whole slut shaming thing, I suppose, as we call it. Mm. It's not just for people who are sleeping around, it's for people who are just looking after. Same way as if I go for a blood test every, every year, or if I go to the gym to look after myself, or if I go to see a counsellor, yeah. it is just part of my routine. It'll hit, it'll hit you know, the middle of the year and I'll go, six months, okay, book in. And you walk in, they're really friendly, it's really, really nice, there's nothing terrifying about it. Yeah. You just it's just part of what should be your makeup just to, yeah. to keep yourself in check. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, 
when when we're kind of involved in the media and we talk about issues like this all the time, all of us are saying the same thing, that we've had this inward level of anxiety and shame that we don't even realise. We talk about the Catholic guilt constantly. People write about it all the time. And when you're open about it, you think that you don't have it. But yeah. we all have it. We do. We all have it. But I think that, I think that we, we call it Catholic guilt, but I think that the um, the... the the anxieties or, or things that we have around sex, I think, permeates most societies anyway. Yeah. I think that there good, is... Good this, to know and think yeah. about that as well. Like, but it's I not would, just us. I would us. rather have that anxiety about my sexual health. And I've always said that to every single counsellor I've spoken to about it and even the nurses I've had, because they've been like, mm. I'm kind of worried that you're really overzealous this year. Like, you've done nothing to even... That could Worse. contract the, the, mm. the virus. And I'm, they're like... I'm like, but I would rather be that person yeah. than go out and sleep around all you want once you're doing it safely. Yeah. But I would rather be the way I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm then be careless about, about my, my sexual health. Sure, yeah. sure. Which I, I think is that. more important. Yeah. Well, ACT UP are going to be there with you, front and centre, mm -hmm. marching mm -hmm. as the Grand Marshal. I feel like, Paul, if you were the Grand Marshal of Dublin Pride, you wouldn't mind being in the car. Oh, I'd be sitting. I'd be waving. It'd be a crown. <laughs> I feel be a, like... There'd be a throne. Maybe a champagne glass. Like Billy Porter was at the, the, at the Oscars or whatever it was. He was carried below uh, the man. I'd be living my best life. You could be in a I'd champagne be glass, yeah, maybe. Completely. Yeah, completely. And I approve that message. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be amazing. Um, I suppose just before we go, because I know that your car parking is running out, I know, I'm afraid my alarm's going to go off. <laughs> I was like, please, please, please don't in the middle of the, the series conversation please don't go off <laughs> I've got a feeling it might be um, but yeah so just before we go I suppose the final thing I want to ask you although we've definitely covered it but what does pride mean to you I'm not going to say six words or less but like just let's break it down and just what is the thing that pride means to two people who are going to be very much there and very much visible to the public and and like that if anybody's watching that might not be in the same stage of, of you know, the journey that you guys are mm. in, in your own self-awareness. What does pride mean to you? I'm going to say, because I, I can only speak for myself. Yeah. And so pride is for me, I mean, uh, a lot bigger than just the sort of the, the sexual identity. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say pride is being your authentic self. That's great. That's it. Yeah. Paul's oh. been there thinking I've been while thinking. you've been and answering he just, well. He just trumps it completely. Okay. Um, I think mine would more would be to enjoy yourself, be safe, look out for each other, and there's always somebody there if you need it. Yeah. I know that's a bit of an open thing, but it's it's more for me about it's that look in the eye as if to wink mm. to go happy pride to whoever it is on the street. It's about yeah. that feeling of camaraderie yeah. and that feeling of we're all allies in this yeah. together. We're all celebrating the one thing. Yeah. And also, it's not just a piss up. It is, mm. it is, it is everything. It's a protest. It's a piss up. It's a yeah. party. It's just making sure we're all in, in one good space together. I think the thing that you said earlier, Will, is really good as well. Like pride is for each individual person in it. It's their pride, you know, mm. so whatever it is to you, is very important as well. So just to say as well, Dublin Pride Parade is taking place at 1pm on Saturday the 29th of June. You can find out more information on all of the events taking place on www.dublinpride.ie. Paul Ryder and Will St. Ledger, thank you so much thank for coming so in. Much. It's Appreciate been great. It. Thank you.